Well, we, we started Sunday, um, and I, I basically laid down the, the uh, challenge, if you will. But I want to I make sure you understand that this challenge that I laid down, it's not something that I'm putting on you, but I'm asking you to go with me on a journey, asking God to, to interact with us in such a real way that it will change everything about your walk with Him. We're not doing this for show. We're not doing this for hype. I'm, I'm literally asking God, I want a spiritual awakening in my life. And I'm hoping others will come with me. I, I didn't get a chance to share with Jen this before we came to church. But as I began to prepare and, and listen to worship, I was taken back to my days of youth group I mentioned before where Pastor Jim would, uh, I've joked, jokingly said he conned me into uh, coming to pray in his office board service. And the reason I say con me into it is because apparently I was the only one that thought that that really was a requirement and I'd be the only one to show up sometimes and it'd be me and him. And it's very uncomfortable when you're the only one in your youth pastor's office and he's looking for big spiritual depth going on there. And so you're the only response he has. So you really got to feel, you got that feeling like you got to perform before him and the Lord. And uh, those times were tough. But but there's been times in my life, you know, um, adults, you can especially speak to this. And I, I will dismiss uh, the, the teachers here in a minute. I just want to, I want everyone to hear this. I don't know how it is we can get so close to God sometimes as an adult, but yet lose ourselves in it. And what I mean by that, there's times I feel like I've got to be up here and I've got to lead you spiritually. I say got to, I get to. And with God's help, I try. But in that, I don't want to lose myself. I remember those times crying out to the Lord on my knees in there and doing it, wondering if Pastor Jim's hearing me and all these other things. But there would be times when the Holy Spirit would grab a hold of me and it no longer be about Pastor Jim or the pressure of being in the office. But truly, what Pastor Jim had planned took hold and worked because God would begin to soften my heart and speak to me. And I feel like many times it's just like adults, you know, with our jobs. Can you remember the time before you had to, when you're a teenager or you're a child, you know, that 10, 11, 12, the order of the day was try to get as much uh, play as you could and as little schoolwork as you could. And then the responsibility comes, right? The more responsibility, and we feel ourselves kind of losing ourselves in life sometimes. We feel like the, the responsibilities of a family and jobs and, and careers and all those things that go with it. And, and sometimes we can feel like we're just performing for someone else. I got to perform for the boss. I got to make sure my spouse, everyone's happy, right? And I find myself sometimes there spiritually, like I have to question myself, am I doing this for right motives? Am I really trying to seek God for myself or is it because I feel the pressure that other people are expecting of me to reach God? And I just realized that no matter what happens in my role as shepherd here at, at New Song, I don't want to miss out on everything God's got for me personally. And if he's asked me to lead you, then that means that he's putting that on my heart because there's probably others here that feel like you're missing out on something God's got for you. You're not quite reaching there. It's just about work and it's just about getting to church in time and getting the kids ready. And I want more for all of us. Have you ever felt strongly that something was supposed to happen? You're so sure you heard from God and you waited and you prayed and you waited some more and nothing happened. Anybody ever been there? Then the questions start. Did I miss God? Was that just me? Why isn't anything happening? I'm going to jump ahead for those that are going to be taking the, the kids back for the kids. This spiritual journey, I'm going to put challenge after challenge down to you as I pray and ask God what we're to do. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned before about Brother Dennis back there that stay, stays back in the foyer to make sure we're, we're safe and watches the door. Um, you know, when I met Dennis, he told me that one way he got in a habit of being hungry for God's word is that every time he began to uh, get ready to eat a meal, he'd read God's word first. And he did that over and it sticks in my mind. I can't help but keep repeating it because, uh, you know, as much as I've bragged on him doing that, I've never really done that myself long term. And so the challenge that's going to be at the end of the message, I'm giving that for the teachers and the, and the kids, is I'm going to challenge you tonight is about fasting. We're going to talk about fasting. But I'm going to ask you at any time that you give up a meal or you give up whether it be meats or, or whether you do Daniel fast, those of you that know about the Daniel fast, whether you do that, I'm going to, I'm going to just challenge you to take and read Scripture 
before every time that you eat. The times that you do eat, read Scripture before that. And obviously, if you're fasting a meal completely, to read Scripture that. That is the challenge. I'm going to ask us to do that for the next 30 days. I just want that much commitment from you. I, w- I want you to just challenge yourself. Whether you're going to fast or not, I'm going to say, if you don't feel led to fast tonight, after this, then I'm just going to say, every time you eat a meal, would you carry your Bible with you in your workplace? Everywhere you go, carry it with you. And when you get ready to eat a meal, I, I want you to read Scripture. Some of you are going to, if you commit to this and you hold to it, you're going to be a business lunch and you're going to have to duck in a bathroom with your Bible because you'll, you'll have that moment. Oh, no, Pastor CJ, they should just read it right out in front of their... Yeah, well, that's, that's the hard part, right? But I'm just going to tell you that challenge, my challenge is, is that you, every one of us, we make a habit. When we get ready to eat physically, I'm going to ask you, read Scripture before that. Have your Bible with you. And we'll, we'll see what happens in the next 30 days just from creating that hunger for God's Word. Everybody, everybody I'm not going to ask you to raise hands. Just if you're with me, just inside say, yeah. Okay? All right. Uh, teachers, if you want to head back, Kids, if you want to slowly go back, walk back. I start out thinking about in Mark chapter 9, there's a father who brought his son to nine of Jesus' disciples, and the boy was demonized and epileptic. And even though the disciples had helped people before, they'd, they'd healed people before, they couldn't heal him. They couldn't deliver this boy. And when the disciples brought the boy to Jesus and he was healed by Jesus, they asked Jesus this question. Why couldn't we do it? Have you ever asked yourself that question when it comes to, the, to, to miracles or, or God's work? Why can't I do that? You see a healing and why can't I do that? You know, if Easton's the only one that's going to respond to me tonight, I'll just focus on Easton and pray. I'll preach to him. Come on, how many have ever been there where you wonder, why can't I do that? When you're following the Lord. Even if it's simple as, why can, I not, um, why can I not stay away from that temptation? Why can I not do this? Why can I not do that? How many have ever had a loved one who you want to see healed, who is on death's door, and you're crying out to God, you're doing everything you know to do, and, and God doesn't seem to answer a prayer, and they pass on. Why couldn't I heal them? And Jesus answers in verse 29. This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. I remember as a young boy seeing a demonized uh, young man being brought in to the church. And it was full-blown what I used to. I don't watch those kind of movies anymore. The show, I mean, the changing of the voice, saying the name Jesus, spitting foam, the strangest thing, you know. And I remember... That, that my dad talked about it troubled him for so long that they prayed and prayed and prayed for that young man and he wasn't delivered. And here I went to a church that back then it was when kind of the what I call the Jewish worship songs were coming out. And Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You know that one? Somebody help me out. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. This grace is sufficient for me, for me, for me. Somebody got tambourine, right? That's what would happen next. And then you see the worship leader sweat because the person with tambourine can never keep time, right? I told Ken sometimes, I'm going to bring an amplifier and an electric tambourine. If they don't have one, I'm going to make one. But the, the, church, the church where we were at, um, you know, my parents have told me as I get older, sometimes I don't tell the stories right. Forgive me if I get any of it wrong. I'm telling it the best I know and it repeated. And my brother who's older than me, maybe he can correct me, but um, I know that there was a whole um, false... Uh, the false doctrine that was getting pushed, and uh, the, my dad's church ended up splitting over it. And, and, uh, and there's folks that wanted to probably run him out, and there's a whole backstory there. But uh, when those people, when that, when that doctrine did not last, did not, did not do what they thought it would do for them or the people, you know, some of those came uh, sheepishly back to church, but the church began to grow. A town of 6,000 people, and I don't know, Jim, was it two or 300 people that it grew to from, a, from about 100 or so? 250 revival happened small farming town in nebraska and so um you know great stuff happening there and i i saw people i know i remember people in mind that in my mind as a kid those were jesus people those were solid 
Jesus' people. And so you had some of these people praying in this situation for a young man that was demonized, and it didn't happen. I'm sure, just like my dad, others, I bet you if you were able to round up the other guys that were there that day, they probably all through their walk. They're still following the Lord, and I'm sure they are, saying, "Why? I still don't understand, God, why did this not happen? There's some benefits to fasting. There's things that God desires to happen in our lives and ministry that won't happen unless we fast. Fasting breaks strongholds, liberates people, and moves us into a realm of realizing God's power in our lives. I'm getting a lot of help tonight. <laughs> I, I'm going to pause a little bit. It's, it's really important to me that we, we stay on track with this and that everybody doesn't lose focus. Um, I'm related to him, so I love him. He gets away with it, but we really need to, we really need to ha- have focus on this because um, I can't keep going without God getting a hold of me in a greater way. That's not in my notes. I'm just going to tell you. I've had a talk with a few people in the church. And, uh, you know, I wanted to blame it on the building project. And it's probably a stress every pastor goes through, right, building. But just in recent days, I realized it's not the building project. If the building project wasn't here, there'd be something else. The enemy has tried very hard to distract me. I'm getting better at things like pastors have, you know, where someone... Uh, will come up with a great idea. Hey, pastor, we should be doing this program. We should be doing that. And, you know, in the beginning, I kind of chase rabbits and I do things. I wear myself out because often people that have ideas, they're not the ones, oh, I, but I don't, I'm not the one to lead it, right? And so I've gone through the gamut of things like that. You know, hey, and I finally learned some folks, if I give them enough time, they'll have a different idea every week, but it'll never come to pass, so I just, I just let them share their ideas, right? And we move on and with what God spoke to me. But <coughs> it was none of the stresses of ministry that, that were, were troubling me. It goes back to what I was talking about. I've got a Bible tonight up here that I keep in my office. It's Pastor Jim's Bible, the one that started this church and passed away. And I was honored to be able to get this. I wasn't musically talented enough to get his guitars. He was a super talented musician. But I wouldn't have traded this for any one of those special guitars. And there's notes and there's little things stuck in here. And and I read through that and, and I look through those and, you know, there's sentimental uh, parts to this because of who he was to me and a spiritual leader to me along with my dad. I've got my dad's Bible that he got when I was born. So his Bible's now 40, that Bible's 44 years old uh, that he started using. And I've got that Bible that my dad passed on to me when I got ordained. And a lot of special things, but but those notes mean more than that to me because I know that both my dad and Pastor Jim saw spiritual awakenings during their time in their churches. There's times when they had to call to God and say, Say, God, move on this church. And now I'm realizing, I, I wonder if it's not the same thing for me. It's because there's a personal hunger and desire that as I'm trying to give out to you, I find myself find, getting drained because I need more of him every day and every day. And I think if that's hard for me when my job is to be pastor, then how hard is it for you when you go to a job, a secular job, or you around people who maybe don't have that kind of focus? Fasting breaks strongholds. Some of us who have family members or loved ones or people close to us that we're praying for and we, we want to see them either healed or saved or delivered from something, but, but why isn't it happening? Fasting liberates people. It moves us into a realm of realizing God's power in our lives. It, it's one of those things that you know you know that friend or that someone who's hooked on drugs or alcohol and where you're like, well, I'm praying for them. But, but seriously, how, how much are you praying? Are you willing to give up those things that are precious to you to see them delivered? The more time you're spending with God, the more you're going to see the hand of God in your life in an extraordinary way. Like the disciples, there are things that God wills for us to do that he will not have the power to bring about unless we spend time it's not that he didn't have the power to do it but with his power is not released in us when we don't spend the time with him to hear his voice it's just you know it, it would be the same as at your workplace them saying we're going to 
hand over to you a new piece of equipment and have you run it, but we're, giving you, we're, we're not giving you any instruction. We're not going to talk to you about it. We just want you to figure it out. And God's not that kind of God. He, he, if he's going to have you do something according to his will, he wants to communicate with you and help you through it. He wants to give you a, a direction on how you do that. What, what is biblical fasting? Fasting is abstaining from food or other things, things that, that seem vital to you or are very important to you, that you feel like you almost couldn't live without or would really disrupt your life if you didn't have. But it's, it's something you're doing without, not just to do without it, but in order to give ourselves to prayer and fellowship with the Lord. If you fast without spending time with the Lord, you're just starving yourself or taking a diet. The Bible mentions three kinds of fast. One's an absolute fast, no, no food or water. And I'm going to tell you that when I was in Bible college, um, I, I don't really, to tell you the truth, I don't know whether God really put on my heart to do it or I was just so zealous to see something happen in my life for God that I just decided God wanted me to go on an absolute fast for 40 days. I wanted to see if Jesus could help me do something that miraculous. And I thought, if I did that, then surely at the end of that, Jesus would appear to me like, you know, I'd see him. Or there'd be angels or something I'd see. There'd be something really supernatural. What happened was I got to about 25 days, and I started hallucinating and kind of walking into walls and all kinds of stuff. And it wasn't supernatural. I wasn't walking through the walls. It was hurting. So I realized that, uh, and a couple of my college professors who I had confided with them that I was doing that just for my own safety had said, uh, brother, it's time for you to stop. Um, then there's a normal fast where it's um, abstaining from food, but you have water. Um, you can have maybe juice. Uh, some do, do that. And then there's a partial fast, like the Daniel fast. I know someone told me that they're doing the Daniel fast right now. It's uh, abstaining from like meats and sweets um, or, or bread, or you can only eat bread, or sometimes it's the vegetables. Some people will call it the Daniel fast, even though it's a little different than what Daniel, uh, what we know Daniel did. You know, Jesus makes the assumption that we will fast. Do you know that? This is one thing that I have not fasted uh, uh, recently in, in a while, and it was troubling me that the last time I tried to fast, I failed miserably. I didn't even make it a full day, and I was trying to go, I was trying to go weeks. And here's another question. Should all Christians fast? Well, Matthew 6, 16, and when you fast, and when you fast, Matthew 9, 15, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they, then they will fast. Again, Jesus makes the assumption that his followers will fast. Notice it's not when, it's not when or not if, it is when. And, and the fasting is an essential part of the Christian life because if we are left to our own devices and never have to abstain for something, from something, to uh, be able to draw closer to the Lord, then it's easier and easier for things to become our idol. You know, food can become an idol. Television, our smartphones, the internet, those things can become an idol. If they're so powerful in our lives that we cannot give them up for a time to spend more time with the Lord, then it's become an idol. Jesus understands that the absence of fasting will make us spiritually feeble. It will weaken us. Why is fasting such a struggle? I like to eat. That's why fasting food is a struggle for me. I like to eat. I've been bragging about how Jenna's made me bacon cheeseburgers, homemade bacon cheeseburgers, almost every night for a couple weeks. I just got on this kick, and I wanted them. I call them awesome burgers because I put the old slices of jalapenos on them and bacon and cheese and all this stuff. And, and it got to where I felt like that's what I really needed. But, but it's so important and it's so hard. There's, there's one thing we can call the Esau syndrome. Remember Jacob and Esau. You know, Esau wanted a, a bowl of porridge or a bowl of soup so bad he traded his birthright for it. If for, for one meal, he traded something so important. We can literally eat ourselves out of God's will. Do you know that? We can literally eat ourselves out of God's will. Hebrews 12, 16 says, watch out. For the Esau syndrome, this is the message version, so it's a little flowery, okay? Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. 
Esau comes in and says, I'm willing to sacrifice spiritual and physical blessing on the altar of my immediate appetite. There are some blessings from God you and I will never receive unless we dethrone what the commentator Matthew Henry called a king's stomach. The king's stomach, that it's, it's king over everything, that, that what we consume. And, and again, I'm talking about food, but it can be, you know, I, I, I have recognized that when we go out to restaurants, and I know I look at my phone a lot, but you look around at people that are sitting across from spouses and kids and families, and everybody is just buried in the glow of that device. And I know the effect of that because there's been times that if I'm called, my attention's called to it, it might be spiritual stuff. It might be one of you texting me about a spiritual need. And I'm supposed to be spending time with my family right now and get time and get with that later. And my wife says, "Hun, can you put your phone down? And something rises up in you, doesn't it, a little bit? Like, how dare you question my loyalty to the family just because I'm looking at my phone, right? Some are grinning, so did that hit home a little bit? What is that that rises up in us? What is that defiance that says, you know what, don't make a big deal out of this. I got it under control. How many of you don't raise your hands or acknowledge, but how many of you had a more serious addiction, something that life-threatening like drugs or alcohol, and that thing rises up in you when someone tries to have tough love and say, you need help, brother or sister. Something rises up, no, no, I can... I only, I only, it's only once in a while, or it's only this or that, or I, I've got all these excuses, but, you know, I've got that under control. How dare you think I don't have it under control? You're not, you're not in my life enough to be telling me that. It's a physical and a spiritual battle. As we fast, there will be physical challenges along the way. Uh, some may experience caffeine headaches if you're giving up coffee. I told you, Jen and I are on this kick now. She introduced me to heavy whipping cream in my coffee, which gives you still the, keeps the bold taste of the coffee, just adds a nice little creamy flavor to it. And now I'm addicted. We probably bought three things of heavy whipping cream in about a week and a half. And these pants were a little tighter when I put them on tonight, too. That's okay. As long as skinny jeans stay in style, I'm okay, because that's the way all of my jeans fit. Some may not feel well. I know there's been times when God convicted me about how I was literally being a glutton. It's like I eat as much as I possibly could, every meal I could. You know, I want seconds, I want thirds. And, and I'd just be feeling sick. For most, there's, just, there's more than just a little detoxing that happens in our bodies. I don't mind confessing to you one thing that Jennifer and I, as I was preparing for this, I said, look, I'm going to take this more than just serious because I need it. I'm not preaching it to uh, the people because they just need it. I need it. And so one of the things that we've, I've, I've kind of treated myself is because the days have been longer with the building project and doing some of my preparation in the evenings and those stretching, I feel like I need downtime. Well, that might ha not happen until 10 o'clock at night. So next thing you know, I've been up till 11 or midnight doing my downtime of just watching Netflix or whatever entertain myself just to feel like I have some kind of normalcy. You know, I mean, we, we, we label things, and I think that I have to have that. And then I'm feeling horrible the next day. I'm pushing myself, and I'm getting wound down, and it's harder to manage our attitudes. And, and so we talked about that and said, you know, we're going we're gonna to change things back to the way they used to be, and we're going to start doing some things different. Like uh, we're all going to have earlier bedtime, and we're going to spend an hour before bed talking and reading the Bible together, talking about what the Lord's doing. We are going to focus on the Lord for that last hour before bed. And it's going to make some changes for me because what if I make plans with someone? I know I'm not getting home until, you know, past. I'm going to have to tell the person, no, i got to be home by 8 o'clock because from 8 to 9, my family and I are going to talk about the Lord and spend time. You know, what if I fail at that one night? Then I'm going to have all that guilt, right? That's what we go through. It's like the New Year's resolutions. What, what if I make that commitment and then I can't fulfill it? Then I'm just going to feel worse about myself and my commitment to the Lord. So sometimes the enemy lies to us and tells us that it would be something we can't stand to, to, to let the Lord down, so we're just not going to start it to begin with because we already know we're not going to be able to keep it. But the battle is more than physiological. As we fast, a spiritual battle is being waged. It, it, it is everything that happens around us and to us is spiritual. 
Things that are happening in the spiritual realm that we neither perceive nor understand outside of God revealing those things to us um, begin to happen. And then there's the power of prayer. It's important to remember that fasting is more than just missing a meal. There's communication that is supposed to be happening between you and the Lord. And that comes through prayer. Powerful seasons of fasting are experienced when we plan to spend additional time in God's presence. That's plan. That, that means that it, it's not that you just willy-nilly say, I'm going to just start fasting and then just hope I draw closer to the Lord. That because I give up a meal, that's going to touch his heart. And no, he, if you're not spending time with God now, and you don't spend time with God fasting, just giving up a meal is not what touches God's heart. It's when you purpose in your heart that he is more important than anything else to you. I used to think when I gained weight that was when you know it seemed like it was uncanny the timing of pastors te- uh, preaching on fasting because it'd always be when a heavier time for me. I think okay, pastors just trying to get me to lose some weight because because I'm eating too much and and I would I would make it a very natural thing, but it's not it's a supernatural thing. As well, we have to purpose now that every hunger pain, every feeling of fatigue, and every caffeine headache will be a reminder to call on God in that moment, and cry out for those things that we're seeking Him for in our lives. Part of it is, sometimes we say, well, what am I really going to fast for? And You know, everything seems good. I got My job's going good. My family seems good. You know, everything's going good. That's especially a time that you want to be fasting because the comfort that you get into and thinking everything's secure and fine can be just as much of a drug in luring you into complacency and not having a powerful encounter with God. And, and so we can get so comfortable in our lives that we begin to wonder, when you start asking yourself, why would I need to fast? That's your first indication that maybe you're getting too comfortable. David Mathis is an executive editor for DesiringGod.org and pastor at Cities Church in Minneapolis. And he says this, fasting is a, is a desperate measure for desperate times among those who know themselves desperate for God. It's a sincere desperation on my part that we experience God because, listen, I can feel the presence of God in our worship times. I I can feel His presence when I begin to prepare for for preaching His Word. But time and time again, I have to ask myself, why aren't there being uh, those added to our numbers regularly? I'm not talking about just church attendance. I'm not talking about just, why aren't we getting people coming from other churches saying ours is better, Right? We, don't, we have no time for that. I'm saying, why aren't we seeing souls being saved? But you, you know, something has shifted because regularly we were seeing people saved through, through the ministries of New Song. And now, it's been a while, it's starting to get to where once in a while we'll bring out the baptismal. Once in a while we'll, we'll, we'll see someone either rededicate their life. Or, I, I have to say that if the body of believers are experiencing God in a real and powerful way, Others will experience God in a real and powerful way. It's contagious. There's no way to contain it. When we begin to get so full of the power of the Holy Spirit, it will begin to reach others. And if there is something in our lives that we just cannot figure out why are we not experiencing that, then maybe it's a time to say some of these things only come out through prayer and fasting. Something's got to break loose in my life because I'm not seeing the fruit of my, uh, my labors. I'm not seeing disciples being made for my life with Christ. I- I'm not... I'm not regularly meeting with anybody to teach them the word of God. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do as a believer? Well, well why don't I, do I not have the boldness to be able to do that? Well, if there's some roadblock in life, then we have to say, maybe I'm too comfortable. Maybe I'm too complacent. Maybe I need to remove something from my life very important to me to spend more time with God and figure this out. But don't just focus on the battle or the pain. Scripture's promise Uh, Scripture promises there is fullness of joy in God's presence. And there are pleasures at his right hand. Delight yourself in seeking him and you'll know the joy of seeking him and work in your life. Whether I really heard from God about that 40-day fast I attempted in college or whether it was just me and being overzealous, I will tell you that somewhere around day 7 to 12, I decided late at night I was up praying my room I, I i was getting to the point where all i could think of was food and it was being harder and harder i'd sit through class and people would talk about going to eat i literally tortured myself sometimes because i wanted so bad to still fellowship with friends we'd go 
cheddar is my favorite place. The Cajun pasta. And lo and behold, someone there would order Cajun pasta and I'd be smelling and, and torture myself. And I'd, I'd go back to my room and I'd pray and ask God, help me. I, I know you can help me do this. But somewhere around that 7 to 12 days, somewhere in that first week or so, when it was just seems like the hardest, I was praying at night and I just felt like I should take communion. Now, just so happened the dorm I was in, even though they locked the doors at a certain time at night, had vending machines downstairs. And lo and behold, it was back when they had canned sodas more in the vending machines than they do the bottles, and they had Hawaiian punch as one of the options. And then they had some, I don't know, cheesy cracker or something in the other. And I was like, that I do. And I got that. I went up and began to just kneel before my bed, and I was like, Lord, I'm about to, I'm about to break this fast, but I want to take communion. I just feel impressed that maybe you want me to remember what you did on the cross. So, um, Lord, I don't know if I can count this as a 40-day fast now that I'm going to you know, have something to eat. And you know, it was amazing because I really didn't get to eat. As I began to pray and prepare and, and read scripture about, about what Christ did for me on the cross, and, and I began to take the cracker, and the idea was, I was thinking, you know, I haven't eaten in a while, I'm going to eat the cracker and then take that, that uh, Hawaiian punch real quick. I got so broken that I couldn't swallow. The Holy Spirit just seemed to come over me, and as I began to try to chew that, I could not get it to go down my throat. And I thought, well, maybe it's a juice. I couldn't get the juice to go down. It, it was, it was uh, one of the most powerful times. It's like I could visually, you know, uh, Passion of the Christ hadn't come out yet. But I was having images like in my head. I was seeing, I felt like for real what, what he was going through. I don't think I was really seeing the actual event. I just think God was helping me to understand the power of what happened to rescue me from my sin. What do you do when you've exhausted all your options? When you believe you know God's will, but you can't see how in the world it will come to pass. There are people in this community that need this church to reach God in such a real way that he'll lead you to the doorsteps of people whose homes are breaking apart, who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, who maybe are just a businessman that have been lulled to sleep by all the, the trappings of, of working in this area and the success, but yet his family is breaking apart. How do we know? How do we know unless we're led to them? How do we know unless God is working supernaturally through our lives to create those divine appointments? When you believe you know God's will, but you can't see how in the world it come to pass, you fast. You pray and fast. When God's people fast and pray, the supernatural happens. Why should we fast? The Bible lists a variety of reasons for engaging in a fast. Number one, fasting helps secure favor in situations. Fasting helps secure favor in situations. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4 says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And then Nehemiah 1.11, O oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to, and, and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. The story of Nehemiah is a vibrant example of favor. It's one where the enemies had torn apart the, the city that he, he loved and tor torn it apart and it was in ruin. And he'd come back and they were building it, sword in one hand and building in the other hand. But this kind of story comes from denying ourselves for the purpose of drawing near to God. He could have stayed in the comforts of being the cupbearer for the king and living, living in, in, in lavishness with an important job and, and literally ask, can I leave all this to go put myself in harm's way to see God's people rebuild the city? Second thing, fasting prepares us for new seasons of our life. You know, Moses fasted before he received the law. Jesus fasted prior to the start of his earthly ministry. Even Jesus fasted. Paul fasted before the start of his missionary ministry. Acts 13.2 says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
And then uh, fasting also gives us greater awareness of God's presence. That, that's something key because, you know, I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot easier to feel like you're, you're experiencing God's presence when we got the worship music playing, right? And you're surrounded by all these people who are supporting you in worshiping God. But what happens when you walk out that door and the music's not playing anymore? What happens when, when you walk out that door and, and your reality of, of work tomorrow and the pressures that you have and, and the kids are screaming in the back seat and everything else is going on? And What's your reality then? Isaiah 58, 8-9 says, Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I, here I am. There's a unique spiritual sensitivity that comes through prayer and fasting. Fasting is a way of quieting the heart. I know one thing, the times I've fasted and I've taken it uh, uh, seriously and I've really been trying to reach the Lord is it changes your prayer time from coming in with your list, your laundry list of things you want to say to God and get it done and then get up from your knees and go. All of a sudden there's a desperation that, you know, I, I made this commitment now to abstain from something important to me to spend time with you and now I really need to hear your voice because I don't want to do this for nothing. I don't want to be at the end of this and wonder why in the world I did it. I want to reach God. I want to fulfill what he put on my heart to do. Fasting helps us hear from the Lord. Especially if you're struggling to discern God's voice. I've had many people, especially new believers, say, you know what, I just don't know if I've ever really heard God's voice. I, I mean, I pray, and, and there's been times I think he's answered, but, but I've never really heard his voice. Well, I've never audibly heard his voice either, but... I know what it is now to know when he's speaking to me. I know his voice, especially when he calls my name and says, this is for you. I want you to understand this. And so that's an important thing in our walk with the Lord to be able to have, without the shadow of doubt, knowledge that we know that we can hear God's voice. And fasting will help you hear from the Lord when you're struggling to hear his voice. Number four, fasting helps us discern God's will and break Satan's grip. You know, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the, the, the thing was is there was a desire what man wanted, what God said he couldn't have, or what he and she said he couldn't have. And, and it was that thing that they put before God's plan for the life that tripped them up and let sin enter the world. Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it was concerned a great it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food. No meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. On the twenty-fourth day of the first month, Daniel fasted for three weeks or twenty-one days, and. Humanly speaking, it appeared that nothing had happened. You know, we have the advantage of reading the story of Daniel. We read these stories, and we know the ending, right? We know the victory in the end, but can you imagine being Daniel's spot when he's, he's put himself in this spot with the Lord and it appears on that nothing's happened? Daniel 10.4, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, notice it was... It was it was that first day of the fast the answer was on its way because Daniel didn't see or hear anything for 24 days, but heaven heard. We know because we are able to read the whole story. We know that, that heaven heard, and his answer was on its way from the very first day. God doesn't start off by saying, somewhere Daniel started fasting, and then about the 21st day I heard him. I heard him, and I, I realized what he was doing. God knew. And did God answer Daniel? Well, Humanly speaking, again, it seemed like nothing happened. But if we read Daniel 10, verses 5 through 9, it says, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold around his waist. His body was like topaz. His face was like lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. 
and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. When you fast, you're going to see God show up in the midst of your situation. I can't say you're going to have a vision like Daniel did. But I can tell you that when you fast, God will show up in your situation. Daniel 10, 10 and 11. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. When you fast and pray, heaven takes note. God takes note of, of that action. When you say, I want God's blessing more than I want food, more than I want that thing, more than I want my phone, more than I want the internet, more than I want my entertainment, more than I want that raise, more than I want this or that, whatever it is, I want God more than that. And then Daniel 10, 11, or 11b through 12 says, Consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you and stand, and stand up, for I have now uh, been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Hear that again. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, since the first day, the first day, the first moment that you set in your heart, I am committing myself wholly to the Lord. I will give up whatever it takes. I will live a life of submission, not permission. I won't see how much I can go to church and skim by and live my life because I'm too busy, I'm too tired. I will press in. I will give up whatever it takes. I will get up earlier. I will step later. Whatever it takes to reach the Lord. And from that first day that you set your mind to gain understanding, and to humble yourself before God. Your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. The first day. Title of the sermon. The fast track to the supernatural. Now somebody might have saw that. And in our, our super spiritualness. Sometimes we say. Pastor there's no fast track to getting with God. That's, you got to just hold on. And press it. But since the first day. That, that means that God's not waiting until you proved yourself through the 21-day fast or the 40-day fast or the 5-day fast or the I'm going to give up this for, for a time. It means as soon as you set in your heart and he knows your heart and you commit and saying, Lord, I want to get close to you and I will give up whatever it takes to get there. He's on his way. He's on his way. And you know, the reward is worth the struggle. Those verses remind us that when we're fasting, there's a spiritual battle taking place, but it's worth it. The struggles of fasting aren't just physical. And as we fast and pray, we're doing spiritual warfare. There's no joke about it. When you do this, you can guarantee that everything's not going to go smoothly. But it's worth it. Satan would like nothing more than to, for you to give up. Whatever your need is, you can be sure of this. God responds to his people when they respond to him. If you want to see God's power in your life, in your situation, set your heart on seeking Him. As you draw near to Him through fasting and prayer, you'll see God do extraordinary things in your life. I, I don't want to just talk about it, folks. I want, us to, I want us to find out for ourselves. I don't want you to come to New Song and say, hey, that was a great message, and go on with your life. I want the power of God's words to grab a hold of your heart and say, hey, look, there's something to this. Maybe I've never been sprawled out in the power of God, or I've seen someone miraculously healed because I fasted and prayed through it. I'm saying, isn't it worth committing to the Lord, whatever it takes. I want to experience you like I never have before. And I don't want to talk about revivals in the past. You know, I'm thankful for the heritage. I can think about the things that happened in Lexington, Nebraska. I can think about the things that have happened in other churches I've been in. But, but I don't want to go back to get an experience I've had before. It doesn't matter if God reaches me the exact same way. I don't want to focus on what happened before. I need a fresh and a new experience I want to have a, a spiritual awakening now. 
I don't want to get lulled to sleep anymore by just going through church as, as usual and, and doing the same thing week after week, just expecting to get another service done and build a new building and, and we'll have a better kids program. We'll have a better parking. We'll, it's not about all that. I'm looking around at faces here and I have a lot of great support for me. I know personally as a pastor, as a friend, but listen, some of you, I would consider you a spiritual giant compared to me. But you cannot fool me and tell me that if you have experienced power of God before, you're not sitting there thinking, why aren't we seeing this happen at New Song? Why aren't we seeing this happen at New Song? Why aren't we seeing more souls saved? Why aren't we, why aren't we seeing people uh, under the power of God being healed and, and delivered? Why aren't we seeing those things happen? And I, t- I tell you that, that maybe it's that we've prayed Maybe it's that we've done the worship, we've done everything else, but there's one thing missing. We've allowed all the entrappings of just our comfortable life to be the king's stomach. That it's been more important than than truly experiencing God in a supernatural way. I know for me, I've already told God, I, I know you didn't make a mistake, you called me here, we talked about this, me and Ken did. I, I, that's that's part of the trap for me. Can I just be honest with you? That that's a different place than I've ever been in my life because I can't to run from what we're doing here. I have to turn my back on Jesus. I love you, and I wouldn't do that to you. But even greater than that, I have to turn my back on Jesus because there's no question in my mind that He's called me to be here and to lead the church. I know I feel inadequate. I feel like a goober compared to a lot of pastors that I know. I'm being honest with you. You go to a pastor's deal and everybody else seems so smooth and so polished and, you know, we talk about any kind of church problem. They got all the answers, you know. I'm over looking through books, you know. What does this guy do? What does he say? Google it. No, you don't want to do that <laughs> as a pastor. You never know what you're going to get. Some of you are like, Pastor, did you talk to me after you Googled something? Because I kind of got the feeling maybe. <laughs> Look, look, we're, we're, we're in a spot right now, culturally, we're in the Bible Belt, but this is one of the most spiritually deficient times. I've already told you, this isn't the worst time of history, right, as far as just the degradation of the world. We know there's been worse times than that, but spiritual defi- deficit in our country, in our communities, even in the churches, in some churches, there's just been a, a, a huge hit in the spiritual realm because there are churches that, that I love them and they're doing great and they've got great programs. And there's all these excitement about how many bodies are in the seat. But I want to hear the stories about lives that were changed. I don't want to assume that those numbers mean something's happening spiritually in lives. I don't want to assume that because we had 50 more in a service, you know, praise God, we're busting at the seams and everybody gets excited and brags on that. Yeah, but what's happening in those lives? Are we tickling ears? Are we just keeping them around because it makes us look good? I and mean, nobody's building relationships because literally if we have a spiritual powerful encounter and a spiritual awakening, we'll desire relationships with each other. The Holy Spirit cannot be working in you like that without you wanting and hungering all the things God has to offer. The community we talked about, the, 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 the discipleship, all those things. You know, I, I've made the mistakes of preaching on them like if we just do X, Y, Z, then, then people will get saved and we'll disciple them. And, and without God working in our lives, it's just semantics. It's just a punch list. There's been times for myself that someone's reached out to me because something's going on in in someone's life and wants me to try to minister to them. And I've had that feeling like, Lord, how am I supposed to do anything about this? I'm already afraid that nothing's going to happen before I even pray. And then I go home and I comfort eat to get over my guilt. And then I try to pretend like that's not sin. But I'm truly at a place where I hope, I hope everyone here, I hope others will come with me on this journey because I'm not going to give up until God does something miraculous, miraculous in my life 
in the life of others here. So this is what I want to do tonight. Um, we had a, uh, had a good time in worship. Yeah, Ken, if you want to come. And, we, and we've had a good time in God's Word. But I want us to take just a few more moments. I know we usually dismiss around 8. But I'm just going to ask nobody leave for a few, few moments. I want to give it a chance for the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about what we've heard. Now listen, it may not be fasting food. And, and I can't, not because of legal reasons or because of medical reasons, go into who should fast and how they should do it. That really has to be you and the Lord, God's Word, figuring out what you need to give up. But I know one thing, in our house, and Jennifer and I would both admit it to you, those phones, those phones have done more damage, I think, in our family than anything else. And it's not y'all contacting us. It's, it's that easy access to all kinds of entertainment, just any, anything just to veg and to spend time looking up. Jennifer and I can start looking up about making chicken coops or, or uh, greenhouses or just things like that. And next thing you know, you spend an hour, you know, away without talking to your kids or spending time with each other. I could sit there and look up videos about motorcycles or things like that. And, and it seems kind of silly to bring it up after a sermon like this, but, but truly that can be as much of a stronghold. Those little things that we just take and we just want to shut everything off for a moment. When it's not that, it's eat myself silly. And when it's not that, I, I just got to veg out and do something that I don't have to use my brain for. Anything to just kind of shut the world out for a moment. And those are the times I should run to God and say, God, if there's a void in me that needs something, then I want you to fill it. I want your spirit to fill in me to the point that I, I no longer need anything but you. I want you to be king in my life. I don't want my stomach to be king. I don't want to, my, my desire for entertainment to be king. I want you to be king in my life. So I want us to just bow our heads. I want you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And I believe and I prayed today that, that the Holy Spirit would speak to hearts and say, this is the thing I want you to fast. This is the thing I want you to give up and spend time with me. And I'm going to tell you, don't be fearful, but when He puts that on your heart, commit tonight because remember, the first day. The first day. That means the commitment you make tonight before you've completed it. God is arriving in that situation. He's showing up. He's sending the messenger. He's going to come. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And he's going to change everything about your situation. Make that commitment tonight. And don't leave before you do. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I come.